0: Welcome to the level up artist podcast where you demystify the creative process and exchange ideas with career-minded artists we are your hosts adriana May, and
1: Aki sanders we are two emerging artists sharing for the advice and business lessons we have learned along our journey so if you are not already please go ahead and subscribe this will help other creatives like you find our podcast and you will be notified when we launch a new episode every tuesday
0: so before we get started on today's topic uh we are reminiscing on the fact that this is our 50th episode. Yay! Which is so crazy! (laughs) I know. It feels like it was just, I don't know, a couple months ago, a few months ago that we got started. But um, we released this, or we, you know, we did our official release on May the 4th. Be with you. Uh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, May 4th. Star Wars Day 2021. (laughs) Yes, we did. Um, And, at that point, we had already started recording January 2021, so we're coming on to like 18 months, give or take, um,
1: yeah.
0: where we we're doing our first attempts at recording and figuring out the editing and the equipment and everything else. And it took us a few months before we actually launched. Um, so we've learned quite a bit since then, of course. It's been quite
1: the amazing journey. And of yeah. course, we're
0: glad as you're listening to this, we're glad you have joined us along for this ride.
1: Yeah. And it's so crazy to think back to like, even when we first thought about doing the podcast, I know we've shared in previous episodes um, about our origin stories with the podcast, but we really started thinking about it December 2020, which is wild because (laughs) as people know, like the world was such a different place then and really wanting to just connect with other artists. That was a huge mission for us. We love connecting with other artists, networking, sharing forward all the advice and business lessons people have given us. We're definitely the type of artists that are not one to like up a wall. If people ask us, "Oh, what kind of paint do you use? What do you do here? Mm-hmm. I feel like it's almost the opposite, kind of an overkill of information. Like, <laughs> oh, let me send you this link. Let me send you this book. You have to listen to this podcast episode, like word vomit of recommendations. And so really craving that when it felt like the world was completely shut down. So that's why we really started the podcast to share forward these conversations that we wish that we had access to when we were still making artwork at our home studios, Mm -hmm. trying to fit it in between pockets of time during our day. And now that we have community facing studios in downtown Raleigh, wanting to bring that to even more artists. So it's super cool now hitting episode 50, especially since we started with the commitment of at least a hundred episodes minimum. I remember that conversation early on we were like, I think you. we had like ordered Mexican takeout for dinner. You yes. came over to my studio late night. Like it was peak COVID. Like the world was totally shut down. And so we're like in each other's bubbles. That was a plus. Yes. (laughs) I was like, uh, I don't have anyone else. You can be in my bubble. You're like, great, (laughs) let's do it. So I was like, Adriana's is my partner in my bubble. (laughs) Um, we would have these like late night sessions, like brainstorming and just like casting our vision of like what we want to, our art to mean and what community we want to build. And so it's cool now, like seeing that come to life. But when we started the commitment, really saying, okay, if we're going to do this, we're not ones to do it partial way. I'm like, we're not going to do like five episodes and then like stop. Like we're doing at least a hundred, which at this point I think isn't really even a question. I sure will be getting to 500 soon enough. <laughs> but now that we have like a lot more exciting topics planned, it's funny to now think about things within the creative process that can't exactly be planned, which is part of the conversation we're going to have For today's episode, because as structured and admin focused as producing a podcast can be, the creative process is a very different uh, milestones, so to speak, when you're tracking how long something may take you. So in today's topic for episode 50, in honor of hitting this milestone, we're gonna talk about something that may be more difficult to track, and that is when is a piece of artwork done? And when can you just say, OK, stamp of approval, this is finished? <laughs> <laughs> which uh, in the spirit of sharing with other artists, you know, there will
0: always come a time when, you know, someone's trying to be helpful and they say, well, it is done. Like, it looks done. If you think it's done, it's done, which uh, not always helpful. So what we have yeah. to do on this episode is to share with you not rules, but actually some guidelines on know the kind of parameters we put in place or things that we look at to help determine whether something is done or not um at the end of the day i'm sorry like i like i just said you are the only one that can really determine if it's done or not however (laughs) however there are a few things that you can look at in order to i don't know like at least see is it a strong enough piece or is there something about it that's bothering you so if nothing else you can consider these uh different elements of design and composition we're going to cover as a way to either figure out dun dun also when you're in the middle of it and you get stuck also these same things that we're going to be talking about can help you troubleshoot and get out of a rut so without further ado let's go ahead and dig in um and first and foremost, first and foremost, n- hands down, hands down, we have to talk about the big three: value, contrast, and chroma or saturation.
1: Yeah, and I feel like this for both of us is definitely our go-to, especially during the the middle of the process. Like you were talking about, Adriana, where you're really troubleshooting of like what's going on. It might feel maybe a little bit muddy or just kind of neutral in your eyes? Like why is it not being dynamic? And a lot of that comes with value and contrast. So value is, um, the black and whites in your piece. So is there enough range checking what are the lightest lights and the darkest darks? Then the contrast is where are those spots where the lights and the darks are really close to each other to create that contrast. And so the biggest tip that we have for that is one that adriana showed me two years ago back in art school we used to have this like red film that we would use during drawing class and you'd have to have this film on you at all times you would then put it up to your painting or your drawing and you would basically see it would basically neutralize everything in the painting to where it showed the darks and the lights But now we all have smartphones in our pockets. So there's a super easy filter that you can put on. Use the black and white filter to where it automatically then puts it in black and white tones. And you can see, oh, all of these, even though they may be different colors, they all have the same gray tone. And so that's a very easy way to see, okay, where are the darks, where are the lights of value, and where there's elements of contrast in your piece. Yeah, and it's
0: always, it's one of those things, I mean, if you are looking for a painting that is mostly dark, mostly light, maybe midtone is your goal, that's one thing to do it on purpose, but a lot of times, at least in my personal experience and that of many artists that I've spoken to or read about, um, 90% of the time, if not more, made up statistics, because why not, um, it's, it's the problem is with your value contrast. So maybe there are too many things that are blending together. I've also heard, I do like the phone one. Obviously it's my favorite. Sometimes I'll even set a video to black and white while I'm mixing paint and put the brush next to, you know, the color I'm working on and seeing if there's enough contrast. But another one is there's a little value finder cards that you can put next to it. Um, so you can see it as your phone is in black and white what are your darkest darks? What are your lightest lights? And where are they, like uh, Jackie was mentioning, where are they touching each other? And they pop, they make the painting pop more. Um, But also I've even heard about the squinting method. Uh, So you basically kind of squint your eyes and see, you know, are some of the shapes kind of quote unquote melting together. Um, then maybe if that's not the intention, there needs to be more of a contrast uh, in the values of the colors next to each other. So those are some other tips that are out there. Um, another really important one is going to be chroma or saturation. So are you working with mostly with bright colors or muted, um, a muted color or someone muted color can actually look really bright right next to a more neutral color, like how are you playing around with those it's not just about the values it's also do you have a painting that just like you know makes your eyes hurt it's so bright um and what would it look like if you toned it down just 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 a little bit um and yeah like i said you know sometimes it's just a matter of tweaking some of the those things usually again it's your value contrast that needs a little <laughs> work um and usually that's that's what will resolve it, or at least a lot of times that's what it is, especially if everything else seems correct, like the other elements we're going to go into, your composition's on point, everything else. And then you just look at it and you're just like, yeah, I can't tell what's off. Check your value contrast first.
1: And real quick, before we continue with the rest of this list, I do want to mention to our listeners, for those who may not know, Several of our episodes do include PDFs that you can download that go along with each episode. So if you go to www.levelupartist.com, you can go ahead and see all of our previous episodes and download the PDF for this one that will include this checklist of items. So you can go ahead and print it off, keep it with you at your studio. Um, And that way, if you're in the middle of a painting troubleshooting, trying to remember the list of these items, then you can go ahead and just have that as a resource. So no need to take notes if you're driving or if you're in the <laughs> middle of your painting session, we already took care of that for you. So just go to levelupartist.com and it'll be there for you to download.
0: Absolutely. So another one, super, super important one um, of the elements you know to look into is going to be surface quality. So do you have a nice smooth texture, almost like a photo? Do you have more of a textured background? Um, Are you doing more like the impressionist? Are you doing some chunky oil paint or even acrylic paint? Like, what does that look like? And how does that interact with the subject or the theme that you're trying to do on your painting? So definitely another one to look at.
1: Yeah, number three is definitely one that I feel like I'm facing recently is orientation. So I'm an artist that typically works in square compositions. Currently, I'm now working in more um, vertical or horizontal, doing like three by four paintings, which is a very new experience. Um, Of course, with the square, you can kind of turn it either way. But with orientation, I think a lot of time, us as artists, we may go into a painting thinking, oh, it's gonna, especially if you're doing an abstract painting, you may think, okay, this is the orientation I started painting it in, so therefore it has to finish that way. But if you find that the composition maybe isn't working or something feels off, maybe like the weight of the painting visually is off, go ahead and flip it upside down, flip it 90 (laughs) degrees. Because sometimes even if you paint it mainly from one orientation, If you rotate it then you say that feels so much better. So challenging the orientation, flipping it 90 degrees, 180 degrees, um, or maybe trying the similar design, but in a different composition, maybe um, a square or horizontal or vertical. Absolutely.
0: The other thing to look into are your entrances and exits. So how does your eye move through a painting? Does it just go to one spot and it stays stuck? Or does it navigate in and then you get to choose, honestly, where you want your viewer's eyes to go, uh, which a quick trick for that is to try to look at it really quick, like try to flit your eyes through it and see, see where it's going, see where it's, uh, where it's leading. And always ask another person that perhaps uh, th- does not have that much experience with art, perhaps doesn't create art or even, you know, do much with art and just ask them <laughs> straight up. Where are your eyes going? Are they, you know, like, how are they traveling? What are you focusing on? Where is it going? Um, because sometimes if there's a, a spot of it where it feels like it's getting stuck, then that might be your key as to how to resolve the painting. And once you fix it, the painting stops. Not-
1: Exactly. And another big thing that I think, especially for a lot of beginner artists, may be something that you have to work through is looking at your zones in quadrants. So, if you think of a square painting, that's the easiest compositionally um, to explain this in. If you think of it, put a big um, T in the middle of the painting. So, dividing it into four different quadrants, looking at that and saying, okay, are each of the four corners Significantly different and making sure that you don't have any elements within your painting, whether representational or abstract that are directly cutting it in half, just generally compositionally things that are directly in the center can really throw off the balance of a piece, and so from The idea of various compositions, doing either rule of thirds or the golden ratio. Those are things that as an artist, you can learn about and investigate more, but keeping the interest, the main focus point of the painting out of the direct center of the painting or direct middle of horizon line or straight vertical line can really help make the painting just more dynamic. And is definitely something you wanna be aware of, especially in the beginning stages of a painting when you're laying out your composition.
0: Yeah. And speaking of dynamic and not getting stuck in one point, focal points. So where do you want the viewer's eyes to focus? There can be more than one focal point as that, you know, that help the eyes travel through a painting. In the case of a still life example, let's say you may have a silver metallic jug of some sort and where the uh, reflection of the light is against a dark background, right? Which is where you're, biggest value contrast is going to be your lightest light next to your darkest dark in your painting which by the way doesn't have to be black and white it can be other colors but your lightest and your darkest dark uh, for this kind of example that might be where your eye looks at as long as that's what you want to do on purpose that's fantastic also know that it doesn't have to be one so say you do have several metallic objects going on in our still life example there for a second then how do your eyes navigate through all the high value contrast areas of your painting? Um, again, if, if maybe there's a rhythm to it, but one of them is missing and the contrast is not enough, then you might find yourself, that's how you troubleshoot it and then finish.
1: Exactly. So then number seven, we have design and movement. So this goes back to focal point and quadrants again with different compositions, having rule of thirds and golden and ratio. But the idea of Where are your main objects in your painting? And really making sure that the movement within the piece makes sense. And so this can be done in a lot of ways, like you're saying for our still life example, are the objects arranged in a way that is visually interesting? and especially the aesthetic of like the gestures that you're using to paint your piece are the brush strokes in a movement that is dynamic and interesting. Being aware that all of these little things as an artist add up to the general movement of the eye within a piece um, that is then connected to the spatial depth as well. Making sure that does the piece, does the still life look flat? Let's say, do the mountains look as if they're like off in the distance versus the tree in the forefront? Or is it relatively fat and flat? And what can you do to then push the objects in the background more backwards or pull the objects in the front more forward? And which these are all things that as an artist can be goals as to what you want to work on in order to increase your skill level as either a representational artist, a geometric artist, all of these things. These can be elements that you can then set goals for yourself on how to improve.
0: Yeah, and it just reminded me, like a, a, a mistake I see beginners said, I do, and I did for sure, was say it is a landscape. Well, the mountains in the distance are the same bright green as the grass in the front. And to your eyes, that looks flat. If you look a photo of a landscape, right, they can take. With your phone, or just you know observing, those mountains in the background are almost grayed out. They're, right. they're a different shade than the grass that's right beneath your feet. So it's just again, it's looking at all these different elements and saying, okay, check, check. Okay, maybe that maybe that was the one. Maybe the values were right, but uh, the spatial depth is off. Which again could be on purpose, but it's something worth looking into. Which leads me to hotspots. So hotspots is another one um which if done tastefully and on purpose and in moderation can be awesome but sometimes it can be very distracting so this happens a lot when say you have colors that vibrate next to each other so take like a hot orange red and place it next to an electric blue when you're looking at it for whatever reason it has an effect on our eyes and it seems to move um so definitely the kind of thing you want to use judiciously. Uh, Otherwise, it can be distracting. And sometimes all it takes is muting ever so slightly one of the two colors and they'll harmonize a little bit better and make it. I mean, it's almost like a shaking feeling. It's I don't know, it's hard to describe. Go look at a bright orange red next to an electric blue and then you'll see what we're talking about.
1: Definitely. And I think after assessing all these Nine different elements of design, comp- composition and movement. The last thing that you need to ask yourself as an artist is, is it done for you? And realistically, this is only an answer a question that can be answered by you, um which can be hard as an artist because oftentimes you get in the moment, you get in the flow, so to speak. But really practicing it as a discipline and having multiple pieces going at one time, you have to then learn, to pause throughout your process. What phases of your creative process does it make sense to pause during, to kind of step back and think, okay, you reevaluate what you're currently working on, determine determining what you need to do next based on these different principles, and then taking that intentional action to get back into the flow, to help with the movement, help with the spatial depth, um, and really making sure that you're not overworking the painting to where then it's kind of point of no return, so to speak. (laughs) So really asking yourself, is this ready for the future home that it's meant to go to?
0: Yeah, and I feel like with that um, comes the theme of distance and how important it is, not just visual distance. So I will say a couple of things that will help you as you go through this is, number one, step away from the canvas, like as in back up as far as you can if you're perhaps in a smaller space then take it out of that small space you're in and put it at the end of the hallway and walk to the other end and see it from afar another option is take a picture with your phone and look at it as a tiny thumbnail because a lot of times that will help you and then you'll be like oh I didn't realize this the set of elements in my painting are now forming a line right across the middle, like we were talking about with the quadrants and, and the zones. Um, but visually from up close, you couldn't tell. And then distance also in the sense of walk away, maybe look at it the following day or two days or a week from now. Give it time to just kind of marinate Uh, you know, perhaps hang it somewhere else where you can see it, you can hang it on a wall or a bedroom or in your studio above your sink. I don't know, whatever works, but like also like get it outside of the studio and into a different environment. Just give yourself time before you continue working on it. Like Jackie mentioned, honestly, honestly, it's so much easier to stop before you think it's finished and then decide if you have to do more than to keep going because a lot of times we'll keep working ourselves to the bone and we're like i'm almost there and then something both jackie and i have done we'll work on it and it's like late at night and then you think it's a great idea and then you come back the next day and you're like yeah i should have stopped like what did i do two hours earlier (laughs) yeah and then you just get to that point of uh i mean it's just pain you can always fix it but um yeah especially if you're doing more
1: especially if you're doing more small detail work, like as you're in the beginning stages, still laying everything out, you can make those big adjustments. But especially if you're doing representational work, nothing is worse than if you're doing, let's say a figure and you do this amazing hand painting for like where their hand is, just to realize that it needs to be three inches higher, like there's no copy and paste when you're painting, which is the beauty of it, but also the frustrating part of it. So especially in those, those parts where you're figuring out the composition and the movement and where things are placed, really making sure that you're not kind of shooting yourself in the foot for like, okay, no, this hand needs to be perfect. And then you take a step back and you're like, it doesn't even look like that hands connected to their body. So I'm gonna <laughs> have to paint over it anyway. And we have all been there, all been there. Um, And especially like Adriana was saying, I find that as someone that works a lot um, painting like down on a table or even on the floor a lot of the time, if I'm working larger, that simply even just hanging it on the wall makes such a difference. Like putting it in a space or even just in your studio on a wall in the height in which it will be seen by other people can totally transform your relationship with the piece. So making sure that you kind of see it in new light, give yourself time to reevaluate and then moving forward with fresh eyes when you have time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then a couple other questions to kind of ask yourself as you're going down the list. Uh, So a few bonus ones are. Um, is your painting balanced? So 80 20 rule applies to so many things in our lives, it's not even funny. But as it relates to our topic, are you looking at 80% cool versus 20% warm colors? If you're just one of one or the other, it can throw things off. And sometimes just adding a little bit of that opposite is just the the, the magic glue that holds it all together. Um, other things to look at if you're using lines, are you 80% thin, 20% thick to add variety? Um, do you have 80% calm versus 20% active area? So it's a really busy painting. Where are you setting the places for your viewer's eyes to rest as opposed to just running around the whole thing? Um, which leads me actually into the question of variety and differences. Um, opposites tend to attract and tend to work together. So are you going, is it all very controlled? Uh, versus like energetic and very expressionistic? Is it calm? Is it more active? Um, Are you doing mostly representational? Are there any abstract elements you can add in there? Um, And vice versa, is it abstract? Is there anything a little more representational you can sneak in there? I mean, there's different ways you can do this, of course, and sky's the limit, but basically like, do you have a a balance between the types of elements, the types of opposites? And enough differences with each within each of the different categories.
1: Exactly. These are all such good questions that I know I'm excited to be like print off and put my studio to reevaluate. <laughs> but I think the other big thing that honestly doesn't even get talked about a ton, and that sometimes this is where the tough conversations between artists and quote unquote non artists, which is another statement, I feel like everyone is artistic and creative. But if you're a painter and maybe you have a partner or a friend who is not a painter and doesn't identify as that, they say like, oh, this is beautiful. It looks done. But like, it just doesn't feel right to you. Then that's also a very valid feeling and expression within your art. Because realistically, we all make art for different reasons. So as an artist, you also have to evaluate, does this painting convey the message that you want it to convey? is it the fulfilling um product of the process and really realizing like why are you making artwork what is your purpose and this is an ever evolving question that as artists it always changes sometimes it is more visual based i want to create a painting that is bright and cheerful and makes other people happy okay that is a very valid reason and you'll make beautiful artwork through it but maybe there's something else that's Okay. I want to convey a specific message through my work. I want to express this emotion that I can only have the outlet of getting out of my body through the act of painting, like an art therapy type process. So really evaluating, like, is this painting checking that box for you? And is it, or does, do you still have more things that you need to say?
0: And does it need to be through that painting or can it be on the next one coming
1: up? exactly and that's i think a common theme too of like not every painting has to do every soul fulfilling thing for you as an artist unfortunately as my high school professor told me that i didn't understand at the time but now (laughs) makes total sense him saying like you're never going to be able to create every painting that you want to make from a fulfilling standpoint because creativity is a muscle. And as you work it, you're only gonna then get more ideas. And Mm so, okay, look, I want to make these 10 paintings. Okay. Well, by the time you get to two or three, you're probably going to have 17 more ideas for paintings (laughs) and then 20 more ideas. Like there's truly never enough time, which is a blessing and a curse as an artist, (laughs) right? And so really realizing like, why do you do what you do? And do you do it for the process of making artwork? Is I know, Adriana, a huge part of yours is the process of making the work itself is the huge, um, almost like fulfilling aspect of the work in addition to the end product.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely on the process-oriented uh, bandwagon, if you will, um, where the process of the painting itself and kind of the message that, and the stories that get told through the process are either as important or even more important than the outcome and what the painting looks like at the end. Um, Because for whatever reason, people can still see it, which is amazing. I don't know, artist magic. We're just gonna go with that. Um, Which also another question that just kind of comes along with that is to consider Are you making paintings that are for a specific person or audience or perhaps a commission? If you make artwork that if you make a division between your personal work and your commercial work, um, those are going to be very different visual energies that are going to go into that work, as well as level of fulfillment. So someone that might be making portrait commissions, they might just be saying, I'm doing this to pay the bills, but at the same time, at least every brush stroke, is practice for whatever comes next whether it's mine or commercial so that's something else to kind of keep an eye out for as you kind of consider is it done or not is it done enough for what it's intended for
1: right exactly and that's definitely we have this conversation a lot in our level up artist membership of um why do we make artwork and honestly like creating artwork for a commercial value is a totally valid reason to make artwork. Saying like, I make artwork in order to make money with it. And that is a very different process than wanting art to be your therapy, to be your outlet, to convey this social message, to unpack this idea. Um, But understanding up front as an artist, what is your motivation for artwork? Simply because then if you find that a painting isn't quote unquote done yet, maybe it is for one of those reasons maybe it is a there is something conceptually that you're not connecting with and if you're a very conceptual artist like i am then like if i don't have a concept behind the piece i'm never going to feel connected to it whether the future collector knows that or not whether i even choose to share it with the world like every piece has to have symbolism and um a different message for me that maybe shared with the world, maybe not, but like in order for me to feel fulfillment from that piece in any level, there has to be some degree of concept. Some people are saying, I frankly don't care. I love doing watercolors of houses in my area. I love it. People love it. They pay good money for it. Great. That's also a super valid reason for making artwork, but understanding your motivation up front because that can affect your creative process and when you consider a painting done. Yeah
0: and uh just to kind of sum it up real quick so these different guidelines we discussed um most of them they're basically uh elements or guidelines or i mean there's different names for them principles uh of design and composition uh and like picasso supposedly said (laughs) uh it's good to know the rules so that you know when you're breaking them right Uh, again it's all in the eye of the beholder and as the artist You decide what's good for you. Do you want that eyeball next to an elbow because I don't know, it's fun for you. It's totally your choice. I mean, art is literally the ultimate way to express yourself, but these rules will help if somebody else may come up and say, I'm not sure what's off about it, or perhaps it's yourself. I'm not sure what's off off about it. Um, Some of the items on this checklist, so to speak, will kind of help you troubleshoot some of that and then help you determine across the finish line or not. So <laughs> with all that being said, uh, we hope that you
1: really enjoyed this episode and yeah. As always, our blog will be linked in the show notes and at levelupartist.com where you can find episode notes from today's episode as well as the checklist for these questions that you can use to evaluate if your painting is done as well as links to all of our other podcast episodes yep if you want to stay
0: connected with us in between episodes share what you have learned maybe there are other tips and tricks you want to share with us uh, to help you figure out when a painting is finished you can uh, connect with us on social media I'm at a may art across all platforms
1: and I'm at J Sanders studio on all platforms or if you want to stay connected with the level Up artist community you can go ahead and follow us at level up artists or levelupartist.com thank you so much for listening we'll talk to you next week